0: Welcome to "Crawl Like a Boy, a Euronews original service and podcast that explores how the pressure to be a man can hurt families and societies. Stay with us as we travel across the African continent to meet men who defy centuries-old stereotypes. I'm Hoposo Budibe with you from Johannesburg in South Africa. In this episode, we will explore a community in Burundi where a group of men carry out a revolution against gender-based violence through theatre, changing mentalities and fighting against domestic violence. They are called the Abatanga the ones who shine light in Kurundi. In the past two episodes of our show, we witnessed how couples like Innocent and Capitoline benefited from their community efforts. And for this episode today, we are joined by Grace Francoise Nibizi, live from Burundi. Ms. Nibizi is a nurse by profession, but also has a bachelor's degree in social and economic administration and many years of working experience in international humanitarian and development organizations, including UNIFAM, UNDP, UNHCR, CRS, and the European Union. And Hilde Osland van der Skook, gender expert at Oslo University, also joins us. She's a gender expert at Oslo University. She did research on the Abatanga Musho for care in 2011. Her latest work is on cultural barriers to knowledge transfer in development aid and the impact thereof on the realization of the SDGs pertaining to gender and health. For each country we are exploring in this series of documentaries, we will be in discussion with two guests, one from Europe and another African, to help us put into perspective the reports you will have heard previously. If you have not yet listened to both the documentaries on the Abatanga Mucho, do yourself a favor and visit our website www. Dot Euronews.com slash programs slash cry like a boy to have a listen. In the meantime, let's get our conversation with our guests started. Miss van der Skoek and Miss Nubisi, welcome to Cry Like a Boy. We are recording this podcast under special conditions amid the current COVID 19 pandemic which requires social distancing. Francoise is in Bujumbura and Hilde is in Oslo. Now in the Abatangamucho episode, we met these men who at the community level are trying to change things by using theatre to denounce what is wrong. Hilde, you made a report on this in 2011. Could you tell us more about your experience?
1: Yes, I was commissioned, actually, by Care International in Norway, who supports the Abatangamocho to do a research-based evaluation of their work. And at the time, I was working at the Peace Research Institute in Oslo. Um, And to be frank, I didn't really know anything about the Abatangamocho or about Burundi before taking on that um, assignment. And it was, to me, like a really kind of Perspective shifter of an experience to come to Burundi and meet these men in a context where I rather expected very traditional generals to materialize and to hear them talk about how they had basically realized the destructiveness of some of the kind of aspects of masculinity they'd grown up with on their own families, on their own development perspectives, on their wider communities and themselves as human beings. It was fascinating and uh, it's to date one of the most interesting uh, pieces of academic work I've, I've done.
0: Do you think the Abatangamucho could be part of the solutions that European countries could adopt?
1: In many ways um, yes I think they can because one of the things that really struck me with the Abatangamucho was how they were able to kind of approach their sort of ingrained ideas about what it means to be a real man they were able to question that and to and to approach that with you know a bit of a kind of critical lens even from the inside and, and to look at, okay, but if if what I learn is that to be a real man, I need to beat up my wife, uh, how does that actually impact myself and my wife and my community? Is this actually good for us? And that ability that they have to, or to have that self-reflection and to question those norms that they grew up with, I think is such a massive learning point and and certainly an approach to not just toxic masculinity but destructive gender roles in a wider sense in in europe as well
0: Mm, mm, indeed francois let me bring you into the conversation here you are familiar with the abatanga mucho what is your view of the group and their efforts do you think that they are making an impact?
2: Yeah, uh, thank you very much. Uh, as you said, I know Abatanga mucho because the organization uh, Sakode I created, I, I founded in 2011, have been in partnership with Care International uh, since uh, 2014, and that is the reason why I really know uh, very well the Abatanga T- mucho movement. Uh, actually, what they are doing is very nice because their main tasks. Uh, for these men uh, is uh, they have set themselves in is to challenge traditional gender role acceptations in their communities through personal changes and testimonies. Uh, And what they're doing is very well because um, all the gender uh, harms or gender-based violence we're experiencing in Burundi are rooted in our culture. But unfortunately, they're only in those zones where CARE International is working, which means they're only in eight provinces. And Burundi has got uh, 18 provinces. I can tell you that um, they they haven't really been known by all the communities in those provinces, which I wish uh, they could be really known. They could expand their uh, activities in, uh, in in all provinces actually but what they are doing, they're doing their their main task their main role what they're doing is really very nice
0: Francois you say that uh, they are active in eight provinces out of almost 20 that uh, the country that burundi has and you say that uh, out of the eight provinces where they are active not all communities are actually aware of the group but where they operate what successes do you see what kind of impact are you seeing that is noticeable what are people in those in those communities saying about the group
2: the one of the, their successes is that where they are uh, working rural burundian men who had had begun to question their traditional ways of life they actually they're uh, starting to question their their masculinity because in Burundi, uh, all those, all the gender-based violence, uh, as I said, are rooted in our culture, which means the gender-based violence are are taken as a normal thing. And those are very uh, like uh, men who are insulting their wives, Degrading them. The insult is a is a daily thing in a Burundian community. And majority of men didn't see that as a as something which is not really bad. But where Abatangamucho have been able to work and sanitize and educate men, now they are changing the, their way of communicating with their wife, which is a very nice thing.
0: Indeed, that sounds very good. It actually means that this is a project that could be replicated across the country. We need a whole lot of these interventions in Burundi, not only in the eight provinces um, where they are currently working. Now, I have a question for both of you. In the first episode of our series, we learned about toxic masculinity, which refers to the ideas, the norms, the attitudes that we raise boys around to think that boys and men are dominant, that violence is the way to resolve problems, that men and boys are superior to women, and so on and so on. What is the role of toxic masculinity in gender violence or in marital violence in your respective countries? Let me start with you, Hilde.
1: So in Norway, we see that domestic violence in, uh, in Norway is to, is to a very large extent partner, intimate partner violence, where women are exposed to violence, uh, sometimes even killed by partners, husbands. And what we do see is that a lot of the time, these instances come about when the woman is maybe threatening to leave, or there's been some sort of event whereby the man's kind of idea of himself as the man is, is in a sense threatened, and I to me I think that is the the tragedy of these aspects of masculinity that we that we refer to as um, as toxic the fact that in order for for some men the logical response or like the emotion the emotional response to feeling belittled or out of control will be to use violence or aggression to kind of reinsert masculinity. If I can make a comparison to a case that I know better because ironically I'm in Norway but I don't do research on the Norwegian context but I did do research in Colombia about a decade back on the situation regarding landmines and people being forced to flee their houses, their homes in the countryside because of landmines. And in the families that had fled from rural contexts and into the city, it was much easier for women than for men to get jobs because, you know, they could get domestic service. Some of them would get jobs in like, garment industry. Uh, it was much harder for the men. So there was a shift where the women in a lot of these families became breadwinners. And what was seen there was that in parallel with that, you'd see an upsurge in domestic violence, which was associated with these men kind of feeling like their role as breadwinners was taken away from them and that that was something that triggered reactions of of violence in some. And that, again, to me, is just a tragic consequence of a toxic masculinity whereby men feel like they're not allowed to ever, like, not be in charge.
0: They feel emasculated there, that's what I hear you to be speaking about
1: yes indeed if I can
0: throw this question at you Francoise um, if you can talk to us about the role of toxic masculinity in gender-based violence or marital violence in Burundi um, what are your observations around that
2: the role of toxic masculinity in gender-based violence is that it creates really a very bad, uh, very bad expectations of female being as passive, as submissive, as weak, as uh, powerless, as dependent or on, on men, and uh, which, which I think is not true. And actually, that's why I said what Abatanga mucho are doing is is really good because. Their main goal in their activities, even in their show, is to help men, as many men as possible, to realize that activities uh, such as uh, uh, domestic violence, because uh, all those I have said, and also majority in Burundi, as I said, a majority of income-generating activities and households work are done by women, and women um, are excluded from all decision-making. They are not allowed to, um, all possibilities for achieving financial and social pro- uh, progress. Uh, so all those, I consider them as um, the impact of toxic masculinity, and that's why the Abba mucho are really, challenging all those values and behaviours of gender roles through uh, their testimonies. I wish the Abatanga Mucho could really uh, cover the whole country, not only Burundi, Africa, even Europe, because I believe it's the same thing all over the world.
0: Grace Francoise and uh, Hilde, uh, both of you, your responses to the question around toxic masculinity actually bring me to this question here, um, which is, Achieving gender equality or gender justice is a challenge for most countries, which you have already alluded to in your responses. What are the main obstacles in your view regarding the attainment of gender equality? I will start with you, Hilde, um, in the context of uh, Europe, in the context of Norway, um, where you're based. What are you seeing as the obstacles there that are preventing the attainment of gender justice.
1: I think that cemented gender roles anywhere you go really is the biggest challenge to gender justice because our gender roles, they create these kind of fixed expectations about how it is acceptable to be as a man and as a woman. And that creates these blind spots where it becomes so difficult to ask questions and to see the injustice of, of things that are going on and you know even if gender equality has come a very long way in Norway like um, compared to the rest of the world Norway is doing very well indeed there is still, there is still just like this massive difference in what's expected of a, from a woman compared to a man, like how is a woman expected to behave? Uh, what kind of job is she expected to have? And even if she's allowed to have all the other jobs, even if she's allowed to behave in every other way, she's still expected to do this, that, and the other. And, and it's the same for men. Uh, so I mean, at that just like overarching level, the fact that we insist on splitting the world into those two camps and assigning these very specific expectations as to how to behave and what you're expected to be good at and what you're expected to be bad at. Um, I think that's what's holding us back across the world.
0: Your views on this, Françoise?
2: In Burundi, uh, the main uh, obstacle is related to the fact that majority of Burundian women are ed- uneducated. More than uh, 70% of Burundian women are really not educated. And that means they don't even know their rights because they only believe in the culture. And that culture has got a lot of uh, uh, harmful norms. And one of them is uh, that toxic masculinity. Otherwise, those that the number two obstacle, uh, because uh, education, sensitization, advocacy, all those need to be covered by financial means, which are limited. In my point of view, those are the two main main uh, um, obstacles. Women are not educated, which means they are, don't really don't know their rights. They believe in the in the culture. It's very unfortunate that, like, I can give you an example related to inheritance. We are in twenty twenty, and we in Burundi, women and girls cannot inherit. And when we went to do a study, we realized that majority of people who were against that law were women. And for me, those women were against because they were not really, uh, they could not think deeply and widely to see the consequences of not being inherited. They just believe in the uh, cultural norms and those cultural norms are very, some of the norms are very harmful.
0: Well, thank you both. Thank you for sharing your time with us. Stay tuned to hear more from our guests in the second half of this interview to be aired two weeks from now. Thank you so much for joining us for this edition. This show has been produced with me, Khopoto Budibe. I'm a journalist. I'm a gender activist. I'm a communications specialist focusing on development issues particularly gender issues and human rights i have been joined in producing this show by clarice shaka in burundi marta rodriguez martinez lilo montalto Monella, and naira davlayshian in Lyon. special thanks go to lori martinez and uh, studio ochenta for helping us produce this podcast under special conditions i would like to also thank our guests Grace Francoise Nibizi and Hilde Usland van der Skoek. For more information on Cry Like a Boy, a Euronews original service and podcast, go to euronews.com a boy to find opinion pieces, videos and articles on the topic. Follow us on Twitter at Euronews is our handle and on Instagram we are at Euronews.tv. Share with us your own stories of how you changed and challenged your view on what it means to be a man. Use hashtag cry like a boy. If you're a French speaker, this podcast is also available in French. Dan Tete des Hommes is the name.